0: Guys, George Mesa here, Third Eye Edify podcast, with an episode for you about some pretty important stuff that I think, it gets talked about, but potentially underreported, potentially under-researched material. And most importantly, the phrase that got me thinking about doing this episode to begin with, fossil fuel. It's a phrase we've all heard a million times. We've said it. And like a lot of things, language-wise, you say things, and you don't necessarily realize what you're saying or what you're implying, what it means, where it comes from, who made it up, hint, hint, and things along that line. Etymology goes a long way as usual, but this is a much different, deeper topic with lots of very hot debate, I guess is the best way to put it, Disclaimers left and right Everywhere I was looking And um, I give my own disclaimers But this time around I got disclaimers Even from Wikipedia So that's interesting It's already set me on some kind of path This, this episode is probably going to lead to other ones As we branch out into other ideas So I'm not necessarily going to focus on The parts that may seem like the major players In all of this That's been fleshed out Ad nauseum Ad nauseum Just check out something like Corbett Report, How and Why Big Oil Conquered the World, and plenty of other things. I mean, you can assume there's a lot of documentary-style and other news reporting going on about Rockefeller, oil in general. And I think there's a lot to be said about it. I won't get to everything here, no chance. But I'm definitely going to do my best. And uh, with the notes that I have... I think we're going to be able to go through a very interesting path from oil, fossils, speaking of them separately, and just the nature of where we are now with the Department of Energy. There's a climate conference going on right now, for example. It's all connected. And as I talk about things, as I read things, keep in mind what I like to say very often is that there's often more to the story. And because of that, almost everything's connected in a very deep way, in often surprising ways. You have to believe everything they say for other things to work too. And uh, it's the nature of, well, <laughs> it's the nature of lying. That, that's just the, uh, just the tip of the iceberg on this little topic here. It, it's something. It's something for sure. One thing that I came across that I, I wasn't sure about, I actually did not know, I could have assumed it, but I never really thought about it. Water is the most abundant fluid liquid on the planet. When looking up what's next in line, what's number two, the debate could be for either magma, makes sense, if there is as much of it as they say there is, or petroleum. Oil, crude oil, as it's known as well. It's as abundant a natural resource as any other in the crust of the earth in the ground it's potentially the second most abundant liquid and that's already a provocative statement because they've convinced us very thoroughly that we're running out of it even though it seems like we're using a hundred million barrels a day worldwide which is a lot And I I have somewhere written how big a barrel is, but just think about that number. I mean, it's it's already a lot. So, like I said, there was a disclaimer. And Wiki's very specific disclaimer was, some statistics on this page are disputed and controversial. No kidding. This show is all about dispute and controversy, first of all. So that already sets me right along that rabbit hole. But I rarely see that. I often see something like, this isn't confirmed, do you know better, you know, change the wiki, make the wiki. But this is a whole different, this is a whole different ballgame. There's plenty of books about all this stuff too, but I found that wiki was helpful with this one. To just branch off and find things. So, what is petroleum? Petra means rock. It means a lot of other things. It has actually come up in the past and on many other shows from other people that are doing a great job with this kind of stuff. It's Latin for rock and oleum is Greek for oil. So Petra is rock, oleum is oil. Rock oil, which makes sense in how it used to happen. Because every time I find all these, you know, millions and billions of barrels, it's often telling us that shale is not included in these estimates. What is shale? What is shale oil? You may have heard of it, you may not have It's a very common thing And it's actually been used for Thousands of years Many thousands of years Potentially 6,000 years According to record And um, according to the narrative of history I should say And maybe we'll throw this out of the way Um, Let's get this out of the way Top 5 producing oil companies in the world Companies, I'm sorry (laughs) They are companies, aren't they? They're corporations But uh, countries U.S., Russia, Saudi Arabia, Iraq, and Canada. Just in case you had some questions about whether or not Iraq was a player in this, based on all the conspiracy theories about the Iraq War, both of them. There were two, at least. Um, again, shale not included. Shale rock. Shale oil. What is it? What is shale oil? I'm going to give you the direct definition so we can get a good, good basis for what we're discussing here and unconventional oil, produced from oil shale rock fragments by either pyrolysis, hydrogenation, or thermal dissolution. Pyrolysis is also called devolatization. Um, essentially, pressure and and heat is what this is, is means, and uh, this converts the organic matter within the rock kerogen into synthetic oil and gas. Um, kerogen is the most abundant source of organic compounds on Earth. So we're dealing with, again, high abundancy all over the planet. I thought kerogen might be the source for kerosene, as some of you may be familiar with, but it's not. Kerosene is actually also a petroleum product. And um, petroleum gets used for a lot of things. So keep that in mind as we talk about all this stuff. So now... What is petroleum, crude oil, or oil? It's a naturally occurring yellowish-black liquid mixture of mainly hydrocarbons and is found in geologic formation. This counts for refined and unprocessed crude. So hydrocarbon is going to be a big factor here. Keep that in mind as we discuss just a few more um, definitions, get these things out of the way, because I want you to know what I have come across, the official word on everything before we start getting into the third-eye edify portion of this uh, discussion here. Um, As a fossil fuel, petroleum is formed when large quantities of dead organisms like zooplankton and algae are buried underneath sedimentary rock and subjected to prolonged heat and pressure. Again, heat and pressure, which are those three methods of producing shale oil that I just mentioned. That's the naturally occurring way. So no one here is trying to send you in the wrong direction as far as what a fossil fuel is. That's what I think is up for debate, not what Wiki was telling us, actually. But let's let's keep going here. So, um, like I said, a 100 million barrels a day is the world usage estimate. That is 16 million cubic meters of oil. And who discovered oil first? I guess is a great question, right? Shale, they're saying is process since at least 10th century Arabia and I've seen things where um, bitumen which you can think of as like an asphalt it's like a black gooey substance 4,300 years ago Sumerian boat making I came across this several times as I was researching so all of these processes all of these things they are already there and they are old very old but it looks like England, you know, technically, in quotes, discovered oil first. Um, this English chemist, James Young, in 1848, had fa- he just found it, just like at the beginning of uh, Beverly Hillbillies, if anyone's familiar with that, a bubbling crude coming right out of the ground. Sometimes it's on the surface. Sometimes you have to dig. And how far you have to dig, how far we often dig for oil, is a very enlightening factor as far as how, how far we usually have to go to find any fossils. How deep fossils go into the earth compared to oil. We'll get to that. I think you're going to find it very interesting. Um, the first oil refinery is from 1856 by Ignacy Lukasiewicz, Polish pharmacist. So now we have, f- by 1850, which is that magic time of the world where all these things just started changing at a rapid rate, including art, by the way. Um, Petroleum includes crude oil, all liquid, gaseous, and solid hydrocarbons. What is a hydrocarbon? A hydrocarbon is an organic compound consisting entirely of hydrogen and carbon. Living matter is hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen. So when things are created from, or when things are found to have at their base hydrogen, carbon, and oxygen, you can assume that maybe it was from an organic substance, organic matter like ourselves, like animals, like plants, like zooplankton, phytoplankton, algae. What I'm trying to establish here is what they're telling you fossil fuels are, why they're calling them fossil fuels. And I'm hopefully going to establish that they're not making a good claim. And a lot of people don't think so either. And much like with a lot of the, get all this fake kind of, Constructed images of outer space, even though we've got these crazy telescopes, we still get these images created by, images rendering by. And uh, same concept here, I think. They aren't really necessarily telling you that it is a fossil that this gasoline is coming from. Gasoline being a processed uh, form of petroleum. Typical depth of oil extraction, by the way, the typical depth is 20,000 to 30,000 feet deep for oil. Not all the time, but this is what we. This is how far we typically go. Keep that in mind when we discuss how far deep fossils go into the ground. Our molten core is something like twenty million feet away. This is if you believe that, and I've spoken in the past about how much I do not believe that. Um, they haven't proved it. It's an assumption based on, actually based on gravity, and seismic activity. So another theory. Another theory for you to believe, if you believe all the other ones, of course. Um, the deepest we've ever extracted was 40,600 feet, actually, in Sakhalin I, in Russia. It's 7.7 miles deep. That's the deepest we've ever gone to find oil. And that's, you know, fairly deep, I'd say. I assume that you feel the same way, going more than even a mile deep. It's probably a pretty pretty tough venture. But 7.7 miles is how far we've gone and found oil, deep that deep in the ground. Um, worth mentioning that, as we're going to discuss with companies like Standard Oil, which is John D. Rockefeller's oil conglomerate that was forced to split up eventually because they had a monopoly, of course. And um, the, the major players are most that you've heard, I assume. We're talking about Standard Oil, Texaco. Royal Dutch Shell, and Gulf. The other ones you may not have heard of, no big deal. But you know these companies. I'm sure everyone is familiar with them. Anyone that's ever driven, anyone that is older than, I guess, I don't know, 15, I'm sure you've heard of at least 90% of those companies. So just wanted to get that out of the way. And there's also, I came across an idea called Petrofiction, by the way, which is fiction focused on the role of petroleum in society there's a book called oil exclamation point by upton sinclair it's the guy who brought us that book the jungle that had to do with the meatpacking industry exposing the problems with that and um yeah it's it and that was and this book oil was the loose inspiration for that movie there will be blood which um now having done all this i kind of kind of want to go back and have a look at that movie but he was called a muckraker this upton sinclair i kind of feel like i'm a muckraker too It's an investigative journalist trying to expose truths, hidden truths. This is what a muckraker is. I'd I'd like to put myself in that category and, and in some degree here, but this is all nice and good, but what's a fossil? Should we be calling what we put in our vehicles gas tanks, what we heat our homes with, should we be calling this fossil fuels? Would there be a motive behind calling it a fossil fuel? You have to believe that we're extracting dinosaur bones to begin with in the way that they're bringing it to you. They're not telling you it's 100% dinosaurs, but they are trying to convince you that you have dinosaurs in your tank of gasoline right now, in your car, truck, van, whatever. Dinosaurs. So really, I'm trying to nail it home. I want you to keep that in mind. I think it's a pretty hard concept to stomach. As far as the reality of it all I really do I really do So what is a fossil? First of all there's a time requirement Of 10,000 years at least For it to be classified as a fossil Kind of like a vintage instrument I think it has to be 20 years old Or something like that um, In classic Latin Fossil means obtained by digging Something obtained by digging, uh, digging. Any preserved remains Impressions or trace of any Once living thing from a past geological age. Maybe that's where the 10,000 comes in. It has to be a previous geological age. The deepest fossil ever discovered was 7,401 feet in Norway in 2006. Now, that isn't even half of the smallest average depth of oil. So I think we've already found a great argument for this is not a fossil fuel. If we can't find fossils less than 7,000 feet below the ground. Then, if we're going 20, 30, and in some cases 40,000 feet below the ground to find oil, then it certainly never came from any fossils. It is what they're saying zooplankton, high um, phytoplankton, algae that are giving and could be trees. I've come across some information where you can compress and heat trees and make your own oil fast. No time required. Not t- thousands of years, that's for sure. So, I haven't proven that. I have found information. It was not exactly a straight, you know, shot. It was. There was cuts. There was things to show the time lapse. If anyone knows anything, tell me about it. So, I'm very curious. Can we make our own oil? Is it that abundant and that unnecessary for it to govern all kinds of wars and world trade. I'm leaning towards almost definitely just because that's the nature of the beast here. Of course it is. So usually, on average, there is no digging. Usually there are fossils within rock fragments, within structures, and they are at the surface because digging for fossils would probably destroy a lot of fossils. And it's sort of a lottery, by the way. Most things don't become fossils. So, think about that. They're often right there, ready to see. And they don't... I used to think that they were digging shafts, mines, whatever, going deep, finding fossils. I mean, it makes sense that they have to let the fossils come to them and they're discovered eventually, and maybe partially destroyed as a result. I can see that. But there's also a lot of debate on what is being displayed at museums. When they show entire skeletons of... T-Rexes and Brontosauruses. they're at the very least they're letting you know that these aren't all what we found we have to make the rest or they store the real stuff and they give you a cast version of it now I could see the validity of that clearly but no one's ever told me this and you go in you give a donation you go to the museum and then you stare in awe at this humongous larger than life ancient dinosaur and you expect that you're seeing the bones that were extracted by these archaeologists, but you're not actually. It's very often not that. So another thing to keep in mind. I'm not condemning the whole entirety of this business, whatever you want to call it. But I am very, very suspicious that what we are being told existed when it did. you know, Pre-extinction. I'm having trouble believing that we're set up for extinction, whether by asteroid or exploding sun or whatever. Nuclear war. Not all that extinction talk really doesn't resonate with me very well. But there is something called ecocide, where human beings are responsible for the suicide of the world that we live in. I think our world does a very good job of housing all of its inhabitants. All of them. Apparently, every person in the entire world can exist in New York City with no second level necessary, all just standing on New York City. We can fit the whole world's population in New York City. Apparently, I've heard this. I've read this several times, actually. That sounds like we've got a lot of space in the world. Might be one of the only things I heard Elon Musk say that was totally true, especially recently. Save that for another one. But now I think it's time to really discuss you know fossil fuels dinosaurs in general and some of the things that have led to us with this household name of fossil fuel and the industry that leads it the money the wars it's relatively despicable fossil fuels a hydrocarbon containing material formed naturally in the earth's crust from the remains of a, of dead plants and animals that is extracted and burned as fuel mainly coal, crude oil, and natural gas. The conversion from these materials to high-carbon fossil fuels typically requires a geological process of millions of years. And, of course, they know exactly when the Earth was born. They know exactly when the universe was born. Again, I don't think so. Predictions are fine. Don't pass them off as truth. It's just like when everyone in a certain religion is pissed at the other religion for trying to push it. This is no different. It's being pushed. It's a it's a belief system. And you have to believe it for all of this to be true and make sense. Approximately 85% of primary energy consumption in the world and approximately 65% of its electricity is from fossil fuels. That's thought I throw that out there. So what's an organic substance? Like I was saying earlier, hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon, usually living, and this is the definition of petroleum and uh, not i'm sorry it's not the definition of petroleum but petroleum has this so this was used as a way to say okay obviously this is from living material it must be from dinosaurs <laughs> now that they're the new kid on the block right so it's just to say that and that therefore it's a fossil fuel this is already not necessarily very scientific in my opinion what is scientific is to say Hey, this stuff is made out of living organic matter's composition. Let's look into it and see if it actually comes from it. I, if it takes a million years, I bet it's pretty hard to reproduce in a science um, way, in a scientific way. If it takes longer than a human lifetime to do something, you can't necessarily study it the way you'd like to. I know, I get that, but then it kind of defies nature. It kind of defies the natural world, in my opinion, as well. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I can't say. But I can say this In 1892 It was not the first But there was a Geneva Convention And there's a little debate on this So I'll I'll get to that part as well I'm going to leave a link in the show notes For the debates of these things There's going to be a few links in the show notes of this episode for sure In 1892 The Geneva Convention Which really was made to Assist soldiers on the battlefield The Red Cross came from it It wasn't really about this at first. The first Geneva Convention, I think, was 1860-something. I have it on the next page here. But Geneva Convention from 1892 determined what organic substances are. Oil then determined as residue from formerly living matter because petroleum is also hydrogen, oxygen, and carbon. Now, good old Reuters, the people who were the first to report on Abraham Lincoln's assassination and many other things, um, Here's a quick shot at quick look at the You know what the Red Cross Comes from A little shot of John D. Rockefeller here And He was already Selling and making An oil dynasty by then 1870 is when Standard Oil started So by 1892, John D. Rockefeller was looking to really make some moves. He was already, obviously, a genius in the making money game. As long as everything they say he did, he did. Um, Reuters is very quick. And it's very hard to find the information I'd like to find on this. You can't really look up every Geneva Convention's transcript. I tried. If you know any better, please let me know. But Reuters... Our very good friends in the news business say that fossil fuel was not coined as a term by John D. Rockefeller in the 1890 Duke Geneva Convention in order to create the idea of scarcity. If oil is a fossil fuel, it must be scarce. If oil is a fossil fuel, we can start putting any price we'd like on it because it's becoming more and more scarce every day that we use it. It takes millions of years to make Will never make back as much as we sell. It's not a renewable source. It's not a sustainable source. That was Standard Oil's position in this Geneva Convention. So Reuters says that, and I have, I'm going to send and put in the show notes here an article that Reuters printed where they let you click on. Uh, pictures of this very old uh, book from the index of a 1759 translation of the chemical works of Casper Newman. Neumann is probably how it's pronounced. Now, I can't confirm it, even though they gave me the information to confirm it with. I, what they're showing, it doesn't say anything about fossil fuels at all, by the way. They're assuming you're not going to click on the links. That's just usually what happens. They want you to see the headline and be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's debunked. Rockefeller had no reason to want to produce the idea of scarcity in the thing that he sells. So we could sell it at top dollar. Why would he ever do something like that? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Of course not. So they say most oil extracted today largely, largely originates from buried phytoplankton, marine biomass, and algae from millions of years ago. So they know it's not a fossil fuel. They're not arguing that necessarily. But they are arguing that Rockefeller didn't coin the term and/or try to use it to his benefit. And then when I went to go look at the, I found a PDF of this book, the works of you know Casper Neumann, and you can search in it. Actually, um, it's one of those books where and I'm finding this a lot lately, where the F they look like Fs, but they're S's. So fossil actually kind of spelled more like F O F F I L the way it looks. So I searched for both, by the way. Didn't even come across the word fossil. But perhaps they were discussing osteocola, which is an inferior glue obtained from bones. Because, again, I don't see it. They gave you the the links to click on. I didn't see fossil fuel anywhere in this book. So if anyone does know any better, or if anyone has the proof or happens to own this book, show me where fossil fuel was used before this 1892 Geneva Convention. Now I've got a little more proof That things that we're discussing Did happen around this time And we'll get to that in one second Um, As you may know And if you don't know I highly suggest looking at the work of Howdy Mikowski. Exposing the expositions Howdy Mikowski. Now that man Is a well researched man and I would love to get him on this show because I have a lot of questions about the World's Fairs. They are some of the most suspicious things that have ever happened. And I even think there's a movie coming out with Leonardo DiCaprio playing somebody. It has to do with the World's Fair in some way. So, like I said, 1892 Geneva Convention potentially, and of course it's being debunked, which I now makes me think that it's true, Standard Oil... Made it seem to the world that not only does oil come from fossils, but that it's very scarce and we have to, we're going to charge whatever we want for it. They also had a monopoly at the time, so you can trust that if you'd like or not. The monopoly was forced to break off into different parts, and historically, it's easily documentable, easy, easily findable. This turned Standard Oil into an even larger company. So it really, really didn't help too much, unfortunately. So um, the Geneva Convention itself was created by Henry Dunant to aid the wounded in the aftermath of battlefields. This led to the early iteration of the Red Cross. I said this earlier. I just want to be thorough with my notes here. Um, the very first one was 1863. It's all around the same time. Delegates from 16 countries um, came to discuss the terms of a wartime humanitarian agreement. Obviously, as always, this sounds like an amazing, great, Thing to do That is a great thing to do And coincidentally I'm recording this on Veterans Day So that's kind of a relationship right there Even though the rest of this video I would say is not But um, Geneva is the second most populous Country uh, City in Sweden by the way That's where this takes place um, Now What goes on in Geneva is a very different thing Department of Energy Um the COP 27 that's happening right now, COP is a or UNFCCC is the Conference of the Parties to the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change. United Nations being a very controversial thing as well. Came about to end wars. Did how is that going? It's not going very well. And petroleum-based medicine. The Western medicine system, as it were, because the Eastern, of course, has no idea what they're doing, right? They never heal anybody. The Western medicine system is based on petroleum-based medicine. So not only, and Rockefeller medicine is a term you may have heard before. I assume some of my viewers have. The way hospitals work now, the way the medicine works, the way they just give you prescription after prescription after prescription for any little problems, mental or physical, Suddenly you're just a zombie who might even be able to keep a job. As long as there's sports, you'll be just fine, though. I think that's pretty much the agenda there. So we're dealing with something that actually affects the, the medical industry as well. It's not a connection I'm taking a broad look at here. But why am I so hung up on this Geneva Convention thing, right? What happened the year after 1892? What happened in chicago we had a world's fair and who was present at this world's fair there was an oil company called sinclair and look at their logo good old brontosaurus if you know your dinosaurs this is 1 year after the alleged geneva convention in 1892 that Rockefellers just took over the world with oil. And they are advertising dinosaurs as heavily as possible. Sinclair was around for a while. And apparently some people still living have been to these things. The Sinclair Dinoland at the World's Fair. Here's a few of these um, dinosaur displays en route to New York on a boat. Kind of reminds me of that scene in the movie Gorgo when they bring him down the street to the circus and they find out it's just the baby even though he was huge a little image from COP 27 just throwing it in there what exactly does this image mean to a group of climate activists these people sitting here are changing your living changing your life as we speak happening right now as I record this in mid-November 2022. I'm not going to say it, but seriously, what does this image convey exactly and why is it there? Where is the spinning ball? I don't get it. I really don't get it, as a matter of fact. Um, so, right around this time, it was being pushed. Fossil fuels. Yeah, there was that book from whenever I didn't find any proof. The journalists who wrote that Reuters report link in the show notes. Maybe they just had to do their job. And maybe that job was to keep everything on the up and up. Regarding people's perceptions on Rockefeller. Oil. Fossil fuel. Medicine. The timeline in general. It's a freaking time warp. And it warps your mind to believing a certain history to believing certain things or to say fossil fuel for your whole life and not even realize what you, you mean to say keep that in mind as well I'm reminded of uh, the phrase death cult speaking of the medical industry and the way they treat birth as a symptom of sorts rather than the beautiful practice of midwifery Um, look no further than Michael Hoffman his recent book Twilight Language where he says if we're all convinced not to have children it's a topic I'm going to get to in a second then clearly they've pushed us all into a death cult not a death cult that's killing people like satanic ritual sacrifice but a death cult that no longer wishes to promulgate the species it's a lot of people not having kids and they're not all 20 year olds There's plenty of older people that refuse to have children as well. Now, they may have plenty of good reason for it, I'm sure. But a lot of them, the reason was this. They watched the news, that's the reason. The world's ending, well, I can't have a kid. No, we need more of us than ever before. As long as you do it the right way, of course. So um, I was reminded of this Department of Energy, Green Reaper. That's right, the Green Reaper. Pull up an image of this guy, girdle whatever. The Green Reaper. It is a reaper holding a flower with the globe, which looks upside down. Am I wrong? Leave me a comment. Is this upside down? <laughs> I think the uh, earth here is upside down. This reaper was going from, to classrooms to teach kids about what they can do to save the earth. But there, it's a reaper mascot. And this costume apparently cost a lot of money, thousands of dollars, no reason for that. But he got the children to say, "Do one. here's one thing you can do to save the earth, right? Now, what was part of that? And I'm going to leave a uh, a link in the show notes to the article or maybe it's a video. Part of that is to not have children. Part of what this this 2019 Department of Energy objective was to convince you to not have children. Let's bring up Elon Musk again. How many kids does he have? I thought it was like 10 or something. And he says there's too many people on the planet too. So keep that in mind the next time you want to believe somebody telling you there's too many people on the earth. When we can all fit in New York City, which is a blip on our map, a dot. Think about that. There's lots of land. There's lots of resources. There's lots of people that don't believe these narratives or don't even know about them because they don't watch TV. There's lots of people that don't know who won the Super Bowl last year believe me. And conversely, in my own world, there's lots of people that have no idea about any video games. There's lots of people that have never tried Indian food. Broaden your horizons. Assume that you don't know much. Assume that somebody else knows something you don't know. Not me. I'm learning as I go here. And through the Through the image of entertainment, I'm hopefully providing something that you find valuable here. And it's worth mentioning that I am on Patreon. There are going to be some exclusives there, and it is a way to support me. Because I put a lot of time into all this. And it may look like I'm just pressing record and just going, but I've got hours and hours of research and preparation for every episode. And maybe taking up my thoughts as I'm driving too, but that's the nature of the job, obviously. (laughs) I also I'm still a bass teacher I'm still a music theory teacher as well so that's another way to support my cause and hopefully with with the right kind of forward motion I will be on Rockfin soon as well and then I'll be on a platform that's willing to support creators if you don't know about Rockfin you should get on that right away it's a small fee every month to have tons of exclusive content from creators, exclusive content that is nowhere else because they don't censor you. More important, I'm going to be on YouTube. It's an attractor. It's a way to get me out there. But eventually it's going to have to also be something that becomes something of a job. It is a job now, but it can be a providing job for the things I need to do, like this show. Because this is a passion for me. So, I wanted to give a quick timeline of fossils before we end it here. Because, again, the question's always, when did they find the first fossil, right? And you may or may not be surprised to find out that the first one was lost. And <laughs> its reasoning seems kind of silly. But what does dinosaur mean, by the way? What does dino soar? Right, Uh, Deinos, D-E-I-N-O-S, means terrible or severe in Greek. That's dino. And then sor, soros, means lizard. So terrible or severe lizard. And the very first named dinosaur we'll get to in a second is also a Greek root. It doesn't mean any kind of huge, you know, crazy, unnamed, never-before-seen extinct thing. It really has to do with lizards. Not birds, they keep putting feathers on these dinosaurs now. Not birds, but lizards. So we have 1677. Robert Plot He found the distal end of a femur, which was mistaken for a thigh bone of a human giant at the time. Then in 1772, Richard Brooks named, found, took this specimen. He flipped it upside down, thought it looked a lot like human genitalia, and named it the scrotum humanum. Of a giant, they were still considered a human giant here. And probably now, quote from the article I got this from: probably due to its notoriety, the original specimen has long since disappeared. Kind of like uh, NASA, when you say, "Where did all the telemetry data go?" And they say, "Well, we recorded over it because we ran out of stuff, and we destroyed everything, and we don't even have the machines to play them back, even if we had the stuff. It's gone." Most important thing ever, and it's all gone. Same thing here. I don't think this would have been lost so easily. I really don't. So then, 1815, now we're getting much closer to the timeline I presented earlier. 1815, William Buckland in England found the same bones, and this is I'm quoting stuff here, found the same bones discovered by Plot in 1677. By looking at teeth, jaws, and limbs, Buckland concluded it was a form of an extinct giant lizard, so he named it Megalosaurus, and if you know Greek, it's megalo means big, saurus means lizard. Big lizard is what that dinosaur name means. So we're talking about lizards when we just, when we use the dinosaur names. And then in 1842, Sir Richard Owen named a family of fossils Dinosauria. So that's where the actual word dinosaur is coming from now. This person founded the Natural History Museum in London in 1881. So naturally, the Natural Museum of History in London was founded by a guy who named Dinosaurs Dinosaurs. Still not much in the way of fossils for dinosaurs yet, by the way. So, and that's when we get this Brontosaurus logo at the World's Fair all of a sudden. And um, I found an interesting quote from this guy, John Huntsman Sr., the founder of the Huntsman Corporation, a plastics and other things company. You may, if you're old enough, you may remember the old McDonald's sandwich clamshell cases that they had as Dennis Leary pointed out it was non-biodegradable as you litter them all over the place and they never go away um, his quote was use old dinosaurs not new trees as in fossil fuels just another person you might not really want to trust giving you insight into what they want you to believe And when it comes to what they want you to believe, well, there's really nobody better than this. I'm sure, I'm assuming, every single person has heard of Greta Thunberg. And here she is pictured with her new book, The Climate Book, with the red, white, and blue color scheme. Maybe it's on purpose. Maybe it's not. Doesn't necessarily look like she's in the United States in this picture. She's from Sweden as well. Sweden has come up quite a lot in this episode, and uh, that may or may not be something to think about. But saw her talking on a uh, YouTube video from Penguin Books. They have tons of books, of reproductions, all kinds of other things, and even they haven't even they have a great uh, jazz dictionary. And a bunch of other stuff. They're a pretty popular company. I'm sure you've seen them in their logo. Um, Greta Thunberg, born 2003. Full name Greta Tintin Eleonora Ernman Thunberg. Again, Swedish. And her, as again, I'm sure you know, with the how dare you speech and all that, she's been a voice for children and the world regarding climate change. Something I've certainly discussed on this show. And something that is worth not believing, in my honest opinion. And that may seem like a lot to say, but no. Yes, it's been hotter than usual this November, hasn't it? Nobody's saying there aren't ways to manipulate things like weather. I'm saying we're not in this Global heating scenario where we're going to be dead in 10 years if we don't do something I'm pretty sure Al Gore said we were going to be dead by now Back when he made that movie That changed so many people's perspectives And I dare to call it propaganda But um, Fossil fuel extraction is racist According to Greta Thunberg Capitalism is bad, socialism is bad but she speaks at the World Economic Forum at Davos, and she's always using these concepts of the Great Reset, system change. Here, listen to this. So, if you translate that, and it makes you realize that, if we're to stay in line with that target, we need to to tear up like contracts and deals on a scale that is not possible within today's systems. So that is like science's way of telling us that we need a system change. You'll notice here that she keeps using this term system change. We can't do anything in the system, in the current system that we're in. I've heard that before. Well, we we can't do it now unless we change all this. You have to change your life. You're destroying the planet, ecocide. It's your fault. You will own nothing and you will be happy. I want you to keep all of this in mind the next time you hear anything about fossil fuels or climate change or petroleum-based medicines or the Rockefeller Monopoly Geneva Convention, World's Fairs. They're all related. It's all meant to get you to not only, as I've said in the past, remove yourself from the natural world, but to convince you that you are the enemy and that they have the answers. Now, Greta Thunberg hates capitalism, right? She hates it. However. You can get my book, The Climate Book, in hardback, ebook, and audio by clicking the link below in the description. Don't forget to subscribe to Penguin for more videos like this. (laughs) So I just thought I would throw that in there because as usual, She's working the system. Now, I just kind of solicited myself before. I told you I'm on Patreon. I'm looking to get on a platform that pays me, that respects and doesn't censor content creators like myself. But I haven't made a dollar from this yet. And it's not about that. I'm not. I'm still doing this no matter what. This is a true passion that I think is important. I think... What I'm, I actually think what I'm doing is important. Not because it's me doing it necessarily, but because this exists at this point. This idea of a truth movement. The idea that we're coming back to what we already knew, the things they've obscured from us or changed the definitions of. Don't forget the definition of vaccine has been changed recently, the goalposts keep moving. When you get hot on the trail of something, it changes because they can. Like Animal Farm. They changed the laws, they changed the writing on the wall, and had it had been so long no one even noticed. That's what is the best way for them to do this. They create a problem, they already have the solution. And uh, again, it's all related. And I want you to I want you to interact with this channel. More. I don't see enough comments. I want more comments. This guy, Tim Nizzle, he was commenting like crazy. They're all gone. He would put five comments on every video. It was great. And then it was all gone. Why does this happen? Um, There's a bunch of reasons, I guess. Shadow banning, whatever. But if you're listening, get back on the train, man. What? Where did your comments go? Did they, did they erase you from YouTube? Um interact with me. I have so many questions that by the time I record an episode, I've got more questions. It's almost like I want to do a part two of every episode and maybe I eventually will, but that's why I want to interact with the community here. I am essentially creating a community or I'm at least entrenching myself in a community that is willing to figure things out through adult conversations, debating, sharing of information. you have something profound to say, or if you're in any of these fields, I will get you on this show. I don't even have 500 subscribers yet, but I've got thousands of views, and I can at least get you out there in some regard. We can help each other. We will help each other grow. And with a little bit of luck, we'll get to the bottom of some of this stuff, and maybe even make some very genuine changes in the world, because... It may seem like they are when you watch TV and stuff, but they are not winning. And they never will. It looks like everyone's going to be really upset at each other now because this midterm election had just happened. This is a step in the wrong direction. You don't call people idiots, morons, and much worse because they didn't vote the way that it made sense to vote or the way you did. Maybe voting is the problem. Maybe they should be calling the voters those things and not the people who voted the wrong way. If voting is great and you love it, don't tell somebody else they're doing it wrong. That is wrong. And that's a problem. This creates civil wars. Much like oil creates wars. It's no surprise that most of the largest oil producing countries in the world are the ones on the radar of the United States. The. How do I put this? The war machine. Our radar hits places like Venezuela, Iraq, Iran, Russia. This is where the most oil comes from. The Orinoco belt in Venezuela is where the most, apparently. Deposits of petroleum are. If you ever really thought to yourself, like, why is Alaska the property of the United States? Look no further than oil. And the fact that it basically touches Russia and the Oriental part of Russia, obviously. There's plenty more to say, but I think I've said enough. And I hope that this episode had some insights for you and things you had not thought of or had not heard of. Because I certainly figured out a few things here. Particularly the nature of hydrocarbons and why we would want to call oil a fossil fuel. But with that, I would say thank you very much. Again, I hope you enjoyed it and plenty more to come on this channel. And I'll see you guys real soon. Thanks.